uh, as you're make your, go ahead and make your way to Matthew chapter 11. Um, we're going to start in verse 25. But as we do that, again, I always want to thank my wife, Jasmine Floyd, and my little girl, Piper. They are such a joy and a privilege. It's a joy to be uh, Jasmine's husband and Piper's dad. Uh, you guys make this really easy for me. Uh, as, as I was sitting there thinking about, Pastor Bobby said, hey, I want you to preach June 25th. And I started to go, okay, God, what do you want me to preach on? What do you want me to say? And I started to think about how busy my life had been and how many things I had going on and just all these different things I was doing. And, and I, even, I even remember when people would say, hey, how's it going? I would go, good. But I would qualify the good and I would say, I'm good, but I'm tired. I just noticed myself getting in the habit of constantly saying, I'm tired, I'm tired. And I would say that, and then I would find, try, my, try to find myself to do things where I can get rest. And so today I want to, I want to come to you from, from the theme of the subject of finding rest. I, I love the way the dictionary defines rest. It says, rest, as a, rest is a bodily state characterized by minimal function and metabolic activities. Freedom from activity or labor, or a state of motionless or inactivity. Rest is sometimes defined as peace of mind or spirit. And so as I, as I sat there and I said, I kept finding myself being tired and trying to find ways to rest. And, and I, I realized that we all rest a little differently. For some, it's going to the beach. For others, it's going, on a, going to the mountain. For some, it's taking a hike, riding a motorcycle, building things, doing different things, or having the house clean. For some, that means that it is rest when the house is all clean. For others, it's, it's sitting down and watching your, your favorite sporting event. And for one, I know for sure, finding rest is when the Dallas Cowboys are winning football games. So then I, you must know that I've not found rest in a long time. But let's be honest about ourselves. We, we, we are in this fast-paced society with constantly being on with our cell phones 24-7, trying to check our social media highlights, making sure that we saw the latest tweet and making sure that we're up on our emails, going to camps, this camp, band camp, uh, basket weaving camp, uh, what else? Well, well, I, mean, I mean, ballet camp. I mean, you got camps for everything now, and I find myself completely busy. I remember several months ago looking at the month of June, and I dreaded the month of June with all the things I had going on. I was like, how in the world am I going to find rest with this calendar like this? And I must submit it to you, church, if we're honest about it, as a church, we are doing many things. As Pastor Jeff just said, over 200-some people have given their life and proclaimed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior through the ministry of Grace Baptist Church, where we're seeing people come and, and say that they want to unite in fellowship with us here. There's a lot of things going on, but if we're honest, oftentimes we can find ourselves in the midst of all that is beautiful and wonderful, saying we are tired. And if we're saying we're tired, then my question is, where do you find rest? Because we have to rest. The question is not if we're going to rest. The question is, where do you find rest? And what I want to argue with you today is that the Bible and Jesus Christ is clear on how you and I can find rest. Stand to your feet if you have it. Matthew chapter 11, and we will be in verse 25. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. All who have it say amen. amen. Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 reads, 
at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you've already been doing today, God. I thank you for the fact that you are a God that never sleeps, a God that never rests, and you are right there, God. And I pray that as we continue to worship you through your word, God, that you would use me, that you would, you would use my tongue to speak with conviction and clarity and passion, God, that you would allow your word to go forth, God. But God, I don't pray just for myself. I pray for the hearers. I pray that they would hear your word and that it would fall on good ground, God, and that they just won't be hearers but also doers of your word. God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you allow your Holy Spirit to work like only it can work. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Oh, love the Lord. Say amen. amen. You may claim your seats. So, so, so today's title, the theme of this message that we see in Matthew 11, I, I title it Finding Rest. Finding Rest. The first, thing I, the first thing I want you to see, the first place the text tells us is we find rest through our humility and dependence upon Jesus, the Son of God. Can I show it to you in the text? Y'all sleep. I was just, that, was a, that was a question just to see if y'all are awake. Half of y'all sleep. Now, when I did it for it, y'all were awake. So I'm going to ask you again, can I show it to you in the text? Okay, there we go. Now I, I'm about to say, I know Trudeau was here. Come on. Uh, look, look here in the text. At that, at that time, Jesus answered and said. So, so, so let, let's do some, some background here. Jesus is talking in, 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 in chapter 11, John the, John the Baptist was already arrested and he sent his disciples. He said, hey, I need y'all to go. I need y'all to go talk to Jesus. I, I need to make sure that he really truly is the Messiah. I want to know for sure because I preach the message of repentance and that the kingdom of God is at hand and that there is going to be judgment. What John was saying, I don't see this judgment, nor do I see the kingdom of God. And so the, these disciples, they go, they talk to Jesus, and Jesus says, you, you, you go back and tell John. Tell John what you see. Tell John that the the lame walk, the deaf hear, and the blind see. He says, tell him that he that he is asking for is here. Remind him of these things. And so, 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 so the, the disciples get that, and Jesus begins to explain how the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they rejected John, and they also reject, rejected Jesus. And Jesus begins to cast and, and show, rebuke those cities that rejected his miracles that he did. Because when Jesus showed up, he would do miracles, and those miracles was not so that way one can serve and, and, and look at the miracles. The miracles was, was to point to the miracle worker. And Jesus said, woe unto you. 
He talked about how fact if those same miracles had been done in places like Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented because they would have understood and saw who was at hand. Matthew tells us, he says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you. This is a prayer that Jesus is doing, and he's saying it's all out loud. He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. Well, what are these things? The things that he, he says that are, that are hidden is the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the one that is going to save those that put their faith and trust in him. He's going to save them from their sins. And what Jesus is saying that those things have been hidden. Who have they been hidden from? He says they've been hidden from the wise and the prudent. May I submit unto you the reason why you can't find rest is because you are not humble and nor are you acting dependent upon a holy, righteous God. What Jesus is saying is very clear. He makes it plain. He says, you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that childlike faith that you have to have where you acknowledge your dependency upon Jesus Christ, where you acknowledge that you can't do anything. You can't save yourself. You can't measure up. Your goodness won't get you into heaven. No matter how good you are, no matter how great you think you are, you're never going to measure up. And that's what Jesus was trying to get them to see and understand. You needed to depend upon Jesus Christ. You know, I, um, I, I know many of you who, who like this uh, newborn phase when a kid is born. You, you like those new, newborns. I, I, I got to be honest, I, I couldn't wait for Piper to get out of that newborn phase. You see? The problem with the newborn phase for me was, was that all she wanted to do was eat milk. She was so dependent upon her mom because all she wanted was milk. She didn't say anything else. She didn't, I was like, hey, say daddy. She wouldn't say it. Go Cowboys. Wouldn't say it. She wouldn't say anything. As a matter of fact, she knew sign language. And what she knew was more. I just want more. And the girl would just constantly just go, I want more. But not only was she dependent on Jasmine just for milk, she was dependent on both of us to get her where she needed to go. She couldn't carry herself around. She couldn't drive places. She couldn't do any of that stuff. She was utterly dependent upon her father and mother to provide all that she needs. Oh, y'all, y'all, oh, I, thought I, I, thought I thought I landed the point there, Kevin. They didn't, okay. Um, the, thank you. The point is, what Jesus is saying is, is that when you and I are humble and we acknowledge that we are dependent upon Jesus Christ, that's when the pride of life removes from our eyes and we're able to see rightly that we can't do anything without Christ in our lives. Y'all, y'all, I'm going, I'm about to say, I'm going to preach to myself, man. Um, but, but, but it's, so, it's so important for us to understand that, 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 that Jesus, is, Jesus is combating this issue of pride and this issue of self-sufficiency that we can do it all by ourselves, that we can measure up. He's hitting the Pharisees on the head because they think just because they know the Scriptures, they understand everything. And Jesus is saying, I'm offering you a relationship, not this whole head knowledge thing. I want you to know me, but I want you to know me more in the sense that you will worship for who I am. And so you have to be humble. Now, what is humility? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's a story told, in, 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 there's this kindergarten class, and they were, they were trying to, they, they said, you know, who's the most humble kid in the class? 
And, and they, they found the most humble kid in the class and they gave him a little badge that said, you are the most humble kid. What was interesting, because the next day the kid wore the badge to school, so you know what they had to do. They had to take the badge from him. Why? Because he wasn't humble. Humility means when you walk into the room, you're not expecting everybody to look at you and talk to you and talk about you. You just are there. Oh, okay, fine. I'll meddle. Because <sighs> y'all, some of y'all need to hear this. You, the reason why you don't have rest is because you think that the world revolves around you. You think you're the center of it all. So everything that goes on is all about you and all about what you got. When Jesus is saying, look, I want you to understand this. You got to have a childlike faith. You got to understand this. You got to come to him with a childlike faith saying, Jesus, you're all that I have. You're all that I need. And I need you for without you, I I can do nothing. That's what he's saying. He says, so, so we find rest through our humility and dependence upon the Son of God. I, I love what C.S. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, there is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. The vice I'm talking of is pride or self-conceit, and the virtue opposite to it and the Christian morals is called humility. We can't find rest because we are so proud, so puffed up. We can't sleep at night. You're tossing and turning. Why? Because you're just, you're just so puffed up with everything going on, and you can't. And you're, 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 you're walking around looking down on everybody else, looking down on, on all these people and all their situations. And the reason you can't get it and the reason why Jesus says these things are hidden is because of your pride and then because of your self-sense your self of self-righteousness that you think you got it all figured out. But rest is given to those who are humble. What did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they should see the kingdom of God. Are you poor in spirit? Are you just walking around like you got everything figured out, like you don't need any help from anybody? I know I'm not that old, but I've learned that sometimes you can learn something from somebody older, younger, look different than you, it doesn't matter. But oftentimes we don't, we, we, we can't have rest because we got it all figured out. The Bible is clear about rest over in, uh, over in Proverbs 3.34, surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. Let's move on. Second thing I want you to see is we find rest when we acknowledge the sovereignty of Jesus, the son of God. Look here, verse 27. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Did y'all see it in, 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 the, in the text? All things have been delivered to me. Not just that, but, but, but go, go, go back to verse 25. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. All things has been delivered to me. Oftentimes we don't have rest in this life is because we have yet to acknowledge the sovereignty of the Son of God. We are worried, running around and are trying to orchestrate all these different events in our lives. Meanwhile, God is like, hold on, hold on, what are you doing? That's my role. 
Why, why, why are you trying to control all this stuff? That's for me to do. Why are you worried about the fact that they got a promotion? Why are you worried about who they dating? Why are you worried about what job they took? You, why, what, what you doing? He's, God's like, I got this all figured out. Oh, y'all, okay, let me, you know, let me help y'all. As a manager, one of the things I would do, I would, I would constantly uh, tell, tell uh, to my employees, I would say, hey, store, I was a store manager. I would say, hey, here's what I need you to do. I'm a store manager. You're, if you're an assistant manager or if you're a cashier, just stay in your role. Just stay in your role and this is all going to work out. And so I did it visually to help them. So let me see if I can do it to help us as well when we're talking about sovereignty. So 5,000 feet, that's just the basic cashier. Hey, punch in, punch out. You know, do the basic stuff. Don't, don't do anything weird. You, you know, if, there's, if we miss it, don't worry about a lot of stuff. You, you, you don't need to. You just day to day. Tap. Hey, that 15,000 feet, you're my, you're my assistant manager. Need you to think a little bit big picture. Keep your head on the swivel. Make sure we're not losing things. Make sure some things there. But I don't need you to think like, I don't need you to think at that higher level, that 30,000 foot view, right? That was for me where I would take a step back and I would go, hey, I know all these things here. I got control of all these things here. What do you think God is up in heaven doing? God's sitting there back there going, calm down. Won't you just worry about this lot that I've given you and stop worried about all this stuff over here? God's up in heaven going, don't you realize I'm the king of the world and when I say something, it happens? And so here we are, we're trying to orchestrate all the events in our lives. We're trying to plan and we're plotting and we're, we're, we're doing all these things. And God is like, I am sovereign over everything. If you would just acknowledge my sovereignty by trusting in me, you will understand and you will have rest but the reason why many of you, and myself included, reason why we can't sleep at night and reason why we can't find rest is because we're trying to control it all. You ever met somebody that just looks worn out and tired? It's because you're just sitting there going, I got all this on my plate. I'm trying to handle all these things. And God's sitting there going, I didn't tell you to handle all that. I didn't tell you to worry about all that. I didn't tell you to get involved in that situation. I didn't tell you that. And some of you, some of you refuse to acknowledge the sovereignty of God by trusting God in the midst of your waiting. And the fact that God says, do you trust me enough to wait on my timing because the right thing at the right time is what you want. You don't want the right thing at the wrong time because the right thing at the wrong time means that you're living in sin. Oh, y'all ain't going to read the Bible with me. Y'all do understand the first king of Israel, he did the right thing, which is worshiping God, but he did it at the wrong time and he didn't do it in the right way. So God said, guess what? Guess what, Saul? I'm going to remove my spirit from your life. He didn't trust in the sovereignty of God. He didn't understand it. He, he didn't acknowledge it. He refused to trust in God's sovereignty. You, 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 do, you do realize that, 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 that y'all know that book, in, uh, the book Job. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. And I love that book because we get the commentary. We get the play-by-play. We get the Al Michaels and John Madden of it where they're talking about the discussion that goes on into, into the heavenly host where all of a sudden the, the devil is there talking about Job. And, and God says, why don't you go mess with him? Why don't you go do all these things? But here's the interesting thing about Job. Job never got the commentary. All Job had to do was live through the trials and live through the suffering. And he eventually, in Job 42, he eventually says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Job got to the point where he acknowledged the sovereignty of God. 
Oh, y'all ain't going, y'all still, okay. I know Pastor Bobby's in, in the book of Genesis. Let's go there. You do remember Hagar. You do remember what happened to her when she, she got pregnant by, by Abram and she had this baby called Ishmael and she's running out in the wilderness and she's crying out, does anybody see me? And God and his sovereignty said, I see you. In the midst of it all, God's like, I got this. He's got it. He's got it all under control. He's like, I got it. But sometimes we fail to see that God's got everything. Come on. I know y'all know scripture. If he, if he feeds the birds, if he knows how many hair is on your head, surely the goodness of our father means that his sovereignty, he's going to take care of you. And that's what Jesus was saying. All things has been delivered to me by my Father. Look at that. that. That's that beautiful relationship within the Godhead. All things has been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one whom the Son wills to reveal. This is very, very in line with what John would say in chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me, comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus was saying is that when you acknowledge the sovereignty of the Son, what you are saying, it will get you access to the Father. Yo, man, I'm trying, I'm sweating, I'm trying to preach. What, what, what? So sometimes in order to get to a place you need to get, you need to know somebody that has a relationship with the person that you need. So you got to know the person that has the relationship better than you. What Jesus is saying is, is that I know the Father because me and him are one. If you want to come to the Father, guess what? You got to come through me. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to help y'all because… You, 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 you want to you wanna find rest and you want to sleep well tonight? You sleep well. You can rest your head knowing that, that our God, he, he, he's alive, he's well, he's living. And 24 hours, he's got everything under control. He's got everything under control. And Jesus does too. That's what Paul tells us in Colossians. He says, for by, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He holds all these things together. So stop trying to hold the world together. Stop trying to hold your family together. Stop trying to hold your marriage together and give it to God. That's what humility looks like. That's what dependency looks like. It's laying down our lives and saying that in Christ Jesus, I know I can get through this. That is what the gospel's about. He says here, he says, can I move? Verse, uh, uh, the third point I want you to see is that we find rest when we submit to the yoke of Jesus, the Son of God. Look, look, look what Jesus says. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We find rest when we submit to the yoke of Jesus, the Son of God. Look, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Look, 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 look here. He says, verse 28, come to me. 
come to me. This is the creator of the universe sending you an invitation, saying, come to me. It's a step of faith for you to come. Because when you come, what you're saying is you're acknowledging your humility, you're acknowledging your need for him, you're acknowledging his sovereignty, and you're coming in faith to him. And he's opening up to you, he says, come to me. He's saying that today for some of you, come to me. Because some of you are trying to find rest and trying to find solutions to your problems outside of God's will and God's design. And God's like, come to me and I'll give you rest. And that's that, that's that call of faith. But look, he goes on. I love what he says, come to me. Oh, look at that. He's making it exclusive. Oh, he's said, everybody. That's the Mike Floyd translation. Come to me. Oh, who what? Labor. Labor. It has the sense of grow weary to label, carries the idea of working to the point of utter exhaustion. Have you ever done something where it was labor intensive, where it was just backbreaking? It was utter exhaustion and you were tired and you were sitting there going, what in the world? I'm exhausted from this. Have you ever did something like that? Yeah, because I have too. I want to... One of the things, I'll never forget this moment. I'll never forget probably one of the most exhausting moments in my life. It was several years ago. We, we, we were on the senior retreat, and we're having a great time over at Grace, uh, Grace Christian Academy. And, and they, they decided that, hey, let's take all the seniors up on a hike. They didn't get the memo that Pastor Mike doesn't like hiking. <laughs> and so... I got Coach Long who's going up there, he's going on a hike, and then Pastor Matt is going on a hike. And I had a decision, a crisis that I had to decide. Was I going to take the bus or was I going to go up the hike like everybody else? And in that moment, I tried. In that moment, I said, I'll go up the hike. So I go up the hike. So it was me, Jasmine, and Piper were going up the hike. And y'all think I'm sweating now. You should see me going up that hike. But I remember as I was going up this hike and as we finally got to our destination, I was so tired. I was so exhausted. But here was the beautiful thing about it. As I got closer and closer to the destination, I kept hearing this voice out in the wilderness. It was none other than Pastor Matt. So I knew that I was close. And so even though I was tired, even though I was worn down, I got energy in the midst of being labor intensive. I got energy knowing that if he got Pastor Matt up that hill, he could get me up that hill. (laughs) Just saying. But here's the point. I know that if he got my grandmother through some trials and situations, I know he too can get me through it. Why? Because my grandmother would trust in him. She would lay it down at his feet, and I saw what she did. Therefore, I would do the same. So when he says labor, that's toil, that's weariness. John MacArthur puts it like this. He says, Jesus is inviting the person who is wearied from his vain search of truth through human wisdom, who is exhausted from trying to earn salvation. Who has, who has despaired of achieving God's standards of righteousness by his own efforts. You can not measure up to God's perfect standards 
there's absolutely nothing you can do. He's a holy, righteous God. And what that means is that he expects holiness and perfection. And unless you can, you can deem and give perfection back, you can't measure up. That's why he says, come to me. Look what he does. So not only is it weird labor, so is there heavy laden. Heavy laden suggests the external burdens caused by futile efforts or works of righteousness. In other words, you get so worn down. And sometimes you've seen it on people's faces where when you're going through a situation, they just look beat up. They just look like they got hit by a truck. I mean, you've ever seen, y'all seen, you, you come to work on Monday morning and you've seen some people that are like, man, you might want to just go home. Like call it a personal day, mental day. They just look, that's, the, that's, the, that's what he's describing. Spiritually, there are people that are, that, are, that are trying to do everything to get to God. They're trying to do all these things, all these external pressures to try to get to God. And God said, that's not, not going to work. It's not going to work. When he talks about this burden, when he talks about this labor and all this stuff, this is all that's going on. But not only that, he says this joke. He says, he says here, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. This is the beautiful exchange that you and I get to experience. A yoke was made of wood, uh, hand-hewed uh, to fit the neck and shoulders of a particular animal that was to wear it in order to prevent chafing. For obvious reason, the term was widely used in the ancient world as a metaphor for submission. The yoke was part of the harness used to pull a cart, plow, or mill beam and was, was the means by which the animal's master kept it under the control and guided it in useful work. Here, a student was often spoken of as being under the yoke of his teacher. And the ancient Jewish uh, written, uh, writings contains the, the, the advice, put your neck under the yoke and let your soul receive instruction. So what Jesus is doing, he's using a metaphor to help explain what he wants to do. So when he says, take my yoke, what he's saying is take, I want you to take off the yoke, the, the yoke of trying to measure up to the law, trying to fulfill the law in your own self-righteousness. I want you to take that off and I want you to get my yoke. What is his yoke? You know, he's got to read the text. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus is offering a discipleship relationship. It is akin to the same thing where it says to follow me. What Jesus is saying is that I want a relationship with you. I want to be your master. I want you to take my yoke. Get rid of that other, other yoke. Take my yoke. And only does he say that. He says, he says, and learn from me. He says, look, when you take my yoke, I want you to learn from me. That's the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want you to miss this. this the yoke that Jesus gives. He's saying, look, take it and learn from me. But then he says, look, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. The yoke that Jesus gives, yes, it means that we submit to a master. Yes, it does. But here's the beautiful thing about this master. He is gentle and lowly in heart. Have you ever had a teacher that was just gentle they just, they taught you well, and they were just gentle. I, I remember Miss Gibson, fourth grade. She, she was just a wonderful teacher for me. Y'all might not know this. This may not come as, come as a surprise to some of y'all, but I like to talk. And she was able to, man, I thought that was, was a great joke. Nobody laughed at that one. Um, but she was gentle, and she was able to come alongside of me. 
Not just Miss Gibson. I, have, I had other teachers in my life. Miss Yarbrough in sixth grade. Wonderful teacher. She, she, she really, truly did pour into my life and, and help me and just work with me and say, hey, I need you to do this. But she was gentle in the way she did it. Mr. Adams, seventh and eighth grade. He, he, he was the one, he was like, hey, when you get ready to take a test, look at this. I want you to do this, Mike. He took his time. He didn't write me off. Mr. Cox, 10th grade. He was great. He was able to kind of say, hey, here's some words I want you to learn. I want you to do this. Mike, you can do better than this. You can do better. I know you. you can. He pushed me, but he was so gentle. And Miss Robinson, she was just so gentle, so caring. The king of the universe has extended an invitation to you. And he says, come to me and learn from me. And he tells you why. Because he's gentle and he's lowly in heart. For some of you, you come in today and you recognize that you have sinned and you've messed up and you're carrying that shame and guilt of sin. And what Jesus is saying, come to me and learn. I'm gentle. I'm gentle. Some of you don't understand this. Do you, have you forgotten Peter? Peter, the one who said, I will not deny you, even though all these guys in here, God, I won't deny you. Before the rooster crow, he crowed, he denied him three times. Peter was downcast. He was sad. He was beaten. And our heavenly father came to Peter and said, Peter, feed my sheep. Why? Because he's gentle. Even when we mess up. That's why Paul writes in Romans 1, uh, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So even in the midst of us messing up, he is gentle with us. He says, look, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's the other thing, though. Just because Jesus is gentle doesn't mean that he doesn't have high expectations. Oh, y'all, okay. Y'all, <clears throat> just because Jesus is gentle doesn't mean that he doesn't have high expectations because in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, he was pushing and moving the religious leaders of the day to say, hey, you know what? You got to even have the right thoughts. You got to push and move on this whole thing with the law. You got to have the right thoughts. And Jesus was like, hold on, I want to challenge you because I know that by the power of the Spirit, you can live this life. So Jesus still has high standards for those who are called according to his plan. Have you ever worked for somebody? Have you ever worked for a boss that was high demanding? High demanding. But they also were a little gentle. And so you had this expectation when you went in that you had to hit your numbers, or you had to hit the goal or whatever it was. And if you messed up, you actually felt bad. You felt bad because you disappointed them. That is the same thing with the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ is that Jesus is sitting there going, yes, I have high standards, but I'm going to be gentle and I'm going to be lowly in heart to walk with you. Those standards are not going to change. That's what he says. Look, 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 look here. I know I'm over in time. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do you mean it's easy? Jesus, what do you mean it's easy? 
What Jesus is saying here, well, well, first, here's what he's not saying. Jesus is not saying that that your life is going to be perfect, peaceful, and calm. Jesus is not saying that all you can do is go, this is my life, and I want you to have it now. And whatever you do and all you believe in, you can have your best life now. If you just come to Jesus, you're going to have no more pain. You're going to have no more sorrow, and everything's going to be all right when you walk with Jesus. That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is that, hey, you know what? My yoke is easy. Jesus is making it understood is that, hey, walking with Jesus is a beautiful, wonderful relationship. That's the easy part about it. John was saying in 1 John is that his, we love God and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, we are pleased, delighted. We, we, we have joy in fulfilling the commandments of God. That's what he means when he says, take my yoke for his, not, for, his, for his easy. That's what he's saying. You want to find rest for his easy and my burden is light. Some of you, this, this imagery of this burden is this burden of sin. I want you to imagine like a weight, a heavy weight that you cannot lift. That is the sin burden. You can't lift it. You can't do it. You can't take it. You, there's, you have no power to. Only person that can take the burden of sin off of you is Jesus Christ himself. Last thing I want to show you, then I'll leave. I'll take my seat. Last thing, because you got to get this. This is the point. This is, this, is, this is what this text is saying. We find rest in Jesus, the Son of God. That's what this text is all about. You can go look for rest in many places, and I will too tonight. I'm going to eat me some fried chicken, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to go to sleep. Amen. But if you don't know Christ, that rest will also end. At some point, it will end. And what, what, what Jesus is saying here is that, look, we rest in him. Jesus is the source of the covenant blessing. He says, he doesn't say, come to my teaching. He says, come to me. It's a personal invitation to who he is. Can I, can I help you? I wrote, I wrote it like this because it made sense to me. Hopefully it makes sense to you. Rest is only found in Jesus. We find rest not in places or things, but in the one who has made all things. For it is in his gentle hands that wipes away the tears from our eyes. We find rest when we are stripped of our pride and fix our eyes on the greatest prize. We find rest not in money or fame, but in the one who, is, who has a name that is higher than any other name. We find rest not in the world's comfort, but in the God of all comfort. We find rest when we swallow our pride and submit to the master's plan. We find rest knowing we are in the potter's hand. We find rest in Jesus, the Son of God. Can I tell you who Jesus, the Son of God is? I don't care. You didn't say yes, but I will. <laughs> Jesus, the Son of God, he is the Son of the living God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the Lord of glory, the creator of all things, the upholder of all things, the beginning and the ending. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the Word made flesh, the image of the invisible God, the Lamb of God, the Lamb that was slain, the Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, the Chief Shepherd, the True Vine, the Bread of Life, the Living Bread. He's the Living Word. He's the light of the world, the bright and morning star. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the King of kings. That is who Jesus is, and it is only in Jesus Christ that we find rest.
Can I get a little personal with y'all? Y'all still ain't going to talk to me. That's fine. I'll talk to myself. You see, 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 for me, Jesus Christ is much more than that because he is my savior. He's my hope. He's my peace. He's my helper. He's my Passover. He's my healer. He's my righteousness. He's my sanctification. He is my Lord. He is my master. He is my all in all. And you know what else he is? He is my resting place because only in Jesus Christ. Do I find rest? That means when all these things are going on in the world, I rest in Jesus. I rest in him. Melissa, you can go ahead and come. One of the reasons I did not tell you why I chose this scripture was because this scripture has meant so much to me. As a child, I would come to this scripture and read it. And I would also try to encourage my mom and I also sang a song that I feel like the scripture represents. And I would go to my mom in the midst of all we would go through. And I would sing to my mom. And I would just say to her, he's got the whole world in his hands. I remind her that he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got Tasha, Monique, Sharita, and Mikey in his hands. He's got grandma, granddaddy in his hands. And in a family that finding rest was sometimes hard and difficult, but we found rest in his hands. But because it's only in the precious hands of Jesus can one find rest. I'm going to ask that you stand with me. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. I'm going to be very direct with you. I want to ask you a question. If you were to die today, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? Because over in Hebrews chapter 4, Jesus talks about an eternal rest. If you died today, and if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, I want you to come. He's asking you to come. Because you see, Jesus Christ, he, 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 he left the splendor, the glory, and the beautiful of relationship of the Godhead. And he came down on this earth and he lived a perfect life. And he became the lamb that was slain. And he went to the cross for our sins. And he died on that cross for you and me. And he said it on the cross to tell us, stop, it is done. And when he died, he didn't stay dead because on three days later, he got up proving that he had power over death, hell, and the grave. And because he got up, you too can live with him in eternity. And I promise you, I promise you, 
I promise you, you won't have rest. You won't have rest. You may have good times, you may have good vibes, but you won't have rest until you trusted and rested in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if that's you, I want you to come. I want you to come. Don't worry about people around you. Second thing, maybe you're here and you say, I know Jesus, I know him. Let me ask you, what have you been struggling with? What have you been holding on to? What have you been fixing your, your eyes on? I want you to come to this altar and lay it down. I want you to leave it there. Give it to Jesus. He can take it. He can take your burden. He can take whatever it is you're holding on to. The Bible would tell us, cast all our cares on him. So if you're here today, and you got something you need to lay down, lay it down today. You're not going to have rest by posting about it on social media. Give it to God. And maybe you're here today and you know Jesus and you're saying, Mike, right now, I'm not going through a trial. But God bless you. But maybe you know someone that's going through a hard or difficult time. Why don't you come and be an intercessor for them? Won't you come and pray to God on their behalf? Maybe you know somebody that needs to trust in Jesus Christ today. Maybe you need to go back and say, God, I need to lay their name before you again. I need to call out to you. So as I pray, those would be the invitation and the altar will be open. Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.